your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hyman. we got a fun one for you today. We're going to be recapping last night's Tampa Bay Lightning victory, 5-1 to over the Montreal Canadiens. The bandwagon bull is underway, and yours truly is up one game to nothing. We're also going to be talking about the recent revelation and increase in rumors surrounding Vladimir Tarasenko. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap for all of your hockey news and information. It's Locked On Network's daily podcast on everything that happens in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get podcasts. Like I said, 5-1 to one victory for the boys last night. Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals. What do you think went wrong for the Montreal Canadiens? I'm truly devastated, um, first of all. As a lifelong fan, I would expect nothing less. Yeah, our first Stanley Cup appearance in, what, 27 years, something like that. Um, The boys let me down last night. I don't even think that they played poorly, per se. I just think Tampa is so dang good that you can't just play well. You have to play perfect hockey if you're going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You get from puck drop to final buzzer. You 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 cannot make mistakes because Tampa capitalizes on mistakes and turns them into goals better than any team in the NHL. Withstood the storm, I think, pretty well in the first period. Price sit on his head. Um, Cernak got the only goal for them, which I think was his first postseason goal ever in like 50 games. So. That's just frustrating, you know, a guy like that. You, you know, you, you spend all the time saving pucks from Kucherov and Stamkos and Kalorn and points, and then freaking Cernak um, connects for a tip-in goal. So I, I still think Carey Price stood in his head, even though, you know, the Lightning scored five goals. I think Price did everything he could to keep them in the game. I think it's just the high danger chances for the Lightning were just far too plentiful to expect the Canadians to stay in that game. Like we saw... The New York Islanders, when they had success against the Lightning, it was limiting those high-danger scoring chances and forcing the Lightning to the outside and forcing them to take shots that they're not as comfortable with. Um, but then on the flip side, we also saw when that defensive scheme fell apart for the Islanders, the Lightning put up eight goals. So I think while it was upsetting that the, the Canadians gave up five goals, and it might you know you might think, oh man, they're they're screwed in this series. They gave up five goals in in game one. How are they going to rebound from that? I don't think that they played anywhere close to their best defensive hockey against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Granted, that, that you need to have a really specific scheme to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You need to play, like I said, perfect hockey. And I'm not sure the Canadiens' defense has the personnel to withstand that attack for seven games. But I do think, or you know, if it were to go that far, but I do think that there are a lot of adjustments that can be made in simply the game plan. And I think coaching is going to be a huge part in this series and responding to the lightning scoring five goals by saying okay here's how we need to alter our defensive scheme because the canadians do have the ability when they're playing proper defense and carry price is standing on his head to get ahead in games and stay ahead um i just don't think that they were quite there uh and, and ready with with like their scheme in order to beat the tampa Bay lightning i don't think it was more of a personnel problem like as we as we've stated the canadians personnel 
is just inferior to the Lightning, as is pretty much every other team in the NHL. So it's it's a it's a tough task for for Montreal, obviously, but I do think that the solution is is pretty clear. You know, don't let the Lightning have nearly as easy of a time getting quality chances on Carey Price, and and your chances for success will rise immensely. But man, the Lightning look really really good. They did. It really looked like they had most of the game in hand. One of the big reasons for that, we talked about on the last podcast, I thought Philip Deneau was going to play a huge part in shutting down Braden Point. The Tampa Bay Lightning said, we're not even going to give him the chance and kept him kept that line away from Deneau's for most of the game. And I think that's one of the reasons that we saw the production that we did from Kucherov. But I think another thing that stuck out for me, almost like a sore thumb. If you compare Game 7 against the Islanders, one of the huge things that stood out to me was the Islanders were having a, an, ex- an extremely difficult time getting out of their own defensive zone, and I think the Tampa Bay Lightning's forecheck had a large part to do with that. The Canadians in their matchup against Vegas, they did a good job of making sure that they didn't make those mistakes, right? And so even when the Canadians made those mistakes, it didn't really backfire on them because Vegas doesn't have the shooters or no, no one really has the shooters that the Lightning do. But when the Lightning get it back and turn it and turn it around right in your own defensive zone and they're firing pucks on net, you're looking down the barrel of guys like Kucherov, you're looking down the barrel of guys like Stamkos, of Braden Point, uh, of all of these guys that are just so talented at scoring. I think that was one of the big things that the Canadians struggled with in game one uh, was getting the puck out of their own defensive zone, and I think that's why we saw the result that we did. Like I said, they you need to play a perfect hockey game, and it you know that's easier said than done, especially early on when you're not as exhausted from, like you said, the lightning forecheck. And I think we saw sort of throughout the the entirety of last night's game that the Canadians sort of just lost that extra edge as the night went on. Whether it was they were just getting worn down from that insatiable forecheck you know you can't really take shifts off against the lightning not that you can take shifts off against any team but you know against vegas their third pairing defense is out there or their fourth line is out there and you're like okay we can sort of relax we're not going to be on our toes as much we're not going to be forced to give 110 percent. we're not going to be you know out there uh skating as hard as we possibly can and still just barely creating a scoring chance or just barely preventing them from scoring. Now, now the flip side is against the Tampa Bay Lightning, no matter which line is out there, no matter which defensive pairing is out there, you got some absolute studs on the ice. So there's no real room for error. There's no room for adjustments or there's no room to take a breath. And I think it's just a lot higher paced than what Montreal has dealt with in any other round in the playoffs. And I think we saw it there. Like they would have, they would string together like three good shifts where they were, holding the lightning off for two minutes where they were doing a good job holding the lightning off. And that it's, it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Pretty much. It felt like on every goal that Montreal was doing their best to keep Tampa away from getting some high danger scoring chances. And then one line change or, or one four check that they would lose the battle and would end up on the back of their net. And it was just seems like the lightning scored five goals and the Montreal Canadians made about five mistakes. Not only did Montreal kind of struggle in terms of preventing Tampa from getting those high danger scoring chances, but Tampa was incredibly, incredibly efficient when they did, especially against a goalie like Carey Price. It feels like it feels like they went. I'm sure it's not the exact number, but it really does feel like they went five for five in terms of scoring when they had a really good scoring opportunity. I'm sure there were more that Carey Price sort of kept out of the net, but it felt like every single time you were like, "Oh man, here, here go the Lightning," it ended up in the back of the net. 
So going to be, a, like I said, a, a tough task for the Montreal Canadiens, but I do think that Tampa isn't going to have as much success as they did in game one uh, moving forward, but still, it's going to be tough. The Lightning really did look like a well-oiled machine, but if you have a well-oiled machine and you want to make sure you give it the best parts possible that are available on the market, you got to check out rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, It's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to store all the parts you need. So why endure pointless, seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket so you can cut out the middleman. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. You don't need to choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% above the market rate for some parts. And Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They're reliably low prices for every customer, so you got to check them out. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you guys. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the rumors swirling around Vladimir Tarasenko, so don't go anywhere. All right, Josh, so it was reported today, I believe Frank Saravelli came out and said that Vladimir Tarasenko has given the St. Louis Blues a list of teams that he would be willing to waive his no-trade clause for. It feels like this is kind of a topic we keep bringing up on the podcast, but it's hard not to when the cornerstone of your franchise, your superstar, your diva, your baby, Vladimir Tarasenko, who's been such an important member of this team for so long. Some injury bugs hit, and next thing you know, he could potentially be on his way out this offseason. Obviously, you're a huge Vladimir Tarasenko fan. It's one of the reasons that drew you to the St. Louis Blues. How do you feel about this recent revelation today that he is taking the next step and telling the team, hey, maybe I wouldn't like to get traded, but if we're going to do it anyways, here's where I want to go. It's disappointing to say to say the least. I actually got sent that article by my roommate from last year who isn't even like the biggest hockey fan. So if it's reaching like the mainstream like that, that's how you know it's it's kind of expanded beyond just a just a in-house blues rumor. But it it kind of has felt like Vladimir Tarasenko has been moving into the background over these past few seasons. Has kind of lost that prominence that he used to have just because of those injuries. So it it kind of feels like this has been a long time coming. As much as it breaks my heart to say that, it it really felt like back when the injuries started and back when um, he was, you know, missing as many games as he was, and especially at the beginning of this year when he came back and didn't look at all like his former self. Um, I think the, I don't want to say I necessarily pictured him getting traded, but I think the, the visions that I had of him retiring a St. Louis Blue and his number being put up into the rafters those those became a lot less of a reality you know obviously when I jumped on the blues bandwagon if you could even call it that when I you know first fell in love with hockey 10 or so years ago when Tarasenko was a rookie um, that's all I could think about was this guy's the next big thing he's going to be scoring 50 goals season after season he's going to be the captain of this team one day he's going to bring us to a Stanley Cup which hey that one happened Um, no but I mean it's definitely hindsight's 2020 and 
if he had never dealt with those injuries, I think we'd be having a completely different conversation. Um, but over the past few seasons, those those desires, uh, you know, that not only I, but I'm sure a lot of Blues fans have had of seeing Vladimir Tarasenko retire as a member of the Blues, which almost feel, felt like a guarantee, you know, especially when he re-signed that big deal and had that Players Tribune article about how much he loved St. Louis and how happy his family was here. It really felt like it was just, you know, written in the stars that this guy is never going anywhere. Um, he's a he's a blue through and through. He loves this city. The city loves him, and he'll retire here. And it made perfect sense. And I don't really think anyone thought twice of it. But then all of a sudden, the injuries start piling up, and it it, it feels like they're not they weren't missing him as much as I thought they would. You know, when he was out, I, I really feel like the team's identity didn't suffer as much as I thought it would have. Um, so those, those, you know, those dreams of seeing him stay with the blues for eternity kind of became a little bit more, like I said, just that just dreams, you know, wasn't, wasn't so much like that reality that I thought it was going to be. And it, it's disappointing, but I feel like it's kind of been progressing towards this for the past few seasons. And the fact that we're now seeing confirmation on his end that the one barrier being the no trade clause isn't going to be so much of a barrier anymore it's definitely turning into a little bit more of a reality which is difficult very difficult to read that article but like i said it feels like it's been progressing towards this for a while it's it's been a slow painful death in terms of potentially saying goodbye to tarasenko there's a lot of questions blues fans are currently asking themselves one of which is what happens if the season after you trade him somewhere else, he explodes and has another 40-goal season? The answer to that, I would say, is that's fantastic. I'm never not going to be a Vladimir Tarasenko fan wherever he goes. I uh, wish nothing but the best for him, especially like fighting back from these injuries as hard as he has and like multiple shoulder surgeries is nothing to sneeze at, especially in the game of hockey where your shoulders are so crucial to your success. But along that same line of thinking... $7.5 million in cap space is huge, especially for this team that, uh, by all accounts, maybe in a regular season would not have made the playoffs if they were in the Central with better teams or if they were in any division with better teams. You think about teams that are in like a playoff window and like after winning a Stanley Cup, I think one of the one of the main things people talk about that you want to avoid is exactly what the Blackhawks did and locking guys up to bad contracts and basically holding on to your players for too long like they did with Duncan Keith, like they did with Brent Seabrook, guys like that. For the Blues, I feel like maybe Doug Armstrong's trying to combat that, but maybe he's getting rid of these guys too early. I mean, I think Alex Petrangelo should have stayed. I've gone on record as saying that. Maybe Vladimir Tarasenko does blow it up next season and absolutely pops off, and then that would be another instance of getting rid of guys too early. But at the end of the day, that's the risk you have to take, especially because of the circumstances that this team is currently in with a lot of older guys on their roster and kind of seeing the next the next wave of players come up. It's really hard to stay competitive in this league for as long as Doug Armstrong has managed to do. And so I think if getting rid of a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko streamlines your way to rebuilding this roster back up to contention of the levels of the avalanche of the levels of Vegas. I think that's a trade-off that you have to risk. And unfortunately, uh, there are a lot of very fond memories with Vladimir Tarasenko in a Blues jersey. I don't think those are ever going to go away. But I think at the end of the day, you wish nothing but the best for the guy. And I tweeted it out um, this morning. I basically said exactly what you're, the point that you're um, 
sort of getting at. And it is frustrating because, you know, he his value right now is probably the lowest it ever has been um, and potentially ever will be. Uh, but someone in my reply has kind of described it perfectly and said, yeah, but if his value wasn't so low, we wouldn't even be discussing trading him. Um, which is a good catch twenty, which is a catch twenty two there. Um, so it would, it, it really feels like it's a lose lose situation for the St. Louis Blues because if he does get traded, I, there's no way that the return is going to be. I don't think any Blues fans are going to see the return as this is what Vladimir Tarasenko is worth, right? But right, I think exactly. I think the net any return is going to be underwhelming. But I think the net win here is you focus on the cap space and realize what that means to this team currently and what what kind of pieces you can add because we've talked about it all offseason long. There's no like bringing a defenseman and this team is fixed or bringing a forward and this team is fixed. Like there are multiple holes on this team that need to be addressed so 7.5 million dollars can go a long way in that aspect but I think for me I think if this team decided like this season okay well even when his contract is up in 2023 we're not going to bring Tarasenko back there's no way you can let Alex Petrangelo walk for nothing and Vladimir Tarasenko walk walk for nothing yeah you have to get some kind of return and I think that's essentially what they're doing this offseason so you can start the odds right now betonline.ag maybe they throw some odds up for where you think Vladimir Tarasenko is going to go next personally I think the Capitals makes the most sense because of Kuznetsov because of Orlov because of Ovechkin uh, and the fact that they're competitive but if you think he wants to go to sunny LA if you think he wants to pair back up with Panarin those all make a lot of sense to me as well but anywhere you're going to throw money down on that you got to go to betonline.ag because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and so are the NHL Stanley Cup finals you can track all of that action at betonline so get the latest odds info for all your sporting needs including the MLB the NBA UFC, MMA, and like I said, the NHL. So before the next pitch, before the next face-off, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs through the playoffs. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. We're going to continue our conversation about Vladimir Tarasenko when we come back. Possibly talk about Simone Biles like in Thin Crust Pizza from St. Louis. Who knows? Don't go anywhere. Named a couple teams that I think might possibly be interested in Vladimir Tarasenko. He might possibly be interested in waiving his no-trade clause to go there. If it were up to you and you had to make a decision and you're Doug Armstrong in his shoes, where are you trading Vladimir Tarasenko to get the most return and make him happy to where he's going to waive his no-trade clause? I think it's a really tough question because I have absolutely no idea what Vladimir Tarasenko's value is going to be perceived as by these other teams. I think that there's a scenario where Tarasenko gets traded and the haul is like huge and we're saying, holy crap, I did not think we'd get that much back for Tarasenko, whether it's prospects, picks, whatever. Um, you know, whether maybe it's... Like I a- think if the Kings shell out for him, it would make a lot of sense because they're lo- they are looking for a top six guy. But I think the problem there is, would Vladdy 
love to go to LA? Yes. Would he love to play for a team that's not on the cusp of winning yet, might not make the playoffs, and might not make noise in the playoffs? I'm not entirely sure. He's already won a cup, so maybe he just wants to go somewhere and retire and like have fun with his family and stuff. But that doesn't really seem like a Vladimir Tarasenko mindset, in my opinion. Like He wants to play competitive hockey, right? So I think the return makes a lot of sense for the Kings. I don't know if Vladdy waves his no-trade clause for them. And I know Gabe Foley mentioned that Seattle was a team that was listed in those rumors. Um, and they have you know a, a top five or six draft pick. I don't remember exactly where they ended up. Other two. Um, other two? Oh, well, then I don't know. It might take a little bit more than that <laughs> to get the second pick. But no, they're they're a team that would be very different than your typical team because they don't have a whole lot of assets to trade. But I would totally see Vladimir Tarasenko um, loving the idea of going to a new city, being the face of a brand new team. Um, and I do think Seattle would would be on board with going after a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, even with his injury history. You know, they're they're starting out with a clean slate. Um, they don't have to worry about cap hits or anything like that because they can completely tailor their team around, you know, if they were to bring up Vladimir Tarasenko, they could completely tailor their team around Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, so I think that would make a lot of sense. I do think he would waive his no trade clause to go to a brand new team, even though they may not necessarily be competitive right away. I still think that, you know, learning from what Vegas did, I, I have no reason to believe why they won't be competitive right away. He'd look nasty in those um, jerseys, too. Oh, my God. He would. He would. Um, that is a huge but question I don't know. mark. You're right. I, I, think, I think it really depends on what Tarasenko's value is going to be because what does the league know? What does Doug Armstrong know about Tarasenko's injuries that we don't, you know? Obviously, we've watched him play, and we can, we can generate our own opinions, but... These guys have talked to the doctors, they've talked to the specialists, and they're, I'm sure Doug Armstrong and maybe other teams around the league have been told either, look, this guy is never going to return to his former self again, his shoulders are at 80% of what they used to be or whatever, or yeah, he's on pace to return to his former glory, it just takes a while to recover and his shoulders will be healthy soon, but could be injured again, whatever. The fact of the matter is, we don't know the extent of Vladimir Tarasenko's health. We don't know if he ever is going to return to that elite play level again. And not that the doctors and the teams necessarily do, but they have a better idea than we do. And that's why I think it's so difficult to sort try to project a Tarasenko trade because his value, I feel like, is either just so much lower than we think it would be or maybe right around where we think it would be. But it's just impossible because a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, I don't think you unless you're pulling in a return like Jack Eichel, I don't think anyone's really going to be 100% satisfied with moving on from, from a guy like him. Here's another thing to ponder while we're on the subject of trades, because I saw something the other day that piqued my interest a little bit. The New Jersey Devils at 10th overall in the NHL draft said they would be willing to move the 10th overall pick for a young defenseman. So if you're the St. Louis Blues, do you trade Vince Dunn and 16th overall to the Devils to move up to ten. That is something to something to sip on. I think it depends on who the Blues like in the draft and how likely that person is to go before the sixteenth pick. Because, like we've been saying, I feel like this draft is going to be so unpredictable that you can't really that are you really going to be able to make that much of a difference at ten versus sixteen? I don't know. I think that could be a trade that we would see happen potentially on draft day if, say, the first six or seven picks go, and then there's still like a couple guys that the blues really have their eye on. Um, 
who knows though? That's a good question. I could definitely see that happening. Because I don't know. I don't know if it would be Vince and sixteen either, because that seems like a lot to move up to six. Spots. Right. Agreed. But maybe maybe like Vince and like somebody else, and you get sixteen and ten. Yeah. And then you pull a Jaden Schwartz Vladimir Tarasenko special and draft two guys close to each other and they play for your team for the next 10 years. Or you do 10, 16, and Tarasenko to the Buffalo Sabres for Jack Eichel. This is what we're talking about, guys. Just pure chaos this entire offseason. And like we said, we're still not even to the expansion draft yet and we're knee-deep in Vladimir Tarasenko trade rumors and Matthew Kachuk trade rumors. So you got to stay here and catch up with all of the brand new news coming in every single day because every time we hear a rumor, uh, we're going to be throwing it down and talking about it on this podcast. But I think that's all the time we have for today. So thank you guys so much for tuning tuning in to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening to. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. You can follow me on Twitter and Spotify Green Room at Twelcher15. You can follow Josh on Twitter and Spotify Green Room at Josh Hyman NHL. But like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.